Hi everyone, today I want to share from Micah chapter 6, 6 through 8. But to put today's DT in context, we actually need to read some of the preceding verses. And so I'm going to start from chapter 6, verse 2. It says, Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. So here in verse 2, we see that God is bringing a lawsuit against his people for their unfaithfulness to his covenant. And so how does God start out as he brings this case against his people? He says in verse 3, 4, and 5, O my people, what have I to do to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak, son of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Peor, answered them, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. How does God start? He starts by expressing his tender care and deep love for them, as well as his woundedness at what they have done. And God starts by reminding them of his faithfulness in their relationship. He starts by referring to Exodus and all that he did to save them out of his mercy and grace, establishing them as his chosen people and giving them people to lead them through the wilderness. God then talks about Balak and Balaam, what he did to reverse the evil that they had devised against Israel. Balak had requested Balaam to curse the people but ends up speaking only of good news, the multiplication of Israel and the defeat of their enemies, and then the crossing of the Jordan from Shittim to Gilgal into the Promised Land. All of these things God is reminding them of to illustrate His care for His people and the fulfillment of the promise that He had given them to bring them to the Promised Land. And all this shows to Israel that they have no basis for their complaint against God. He has not failed to keep His side of the covenantal relationship. The fault is actually with Israel. And so if Israel is at fault because of their transgressions and their sins, how will they get back into God's graces to rekindle that relationship with Him? And so it comes to verse 6, that question of, What shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? With what? And the answer that the people imagine is probably it must be some sort of sacrifice, some sort of payment in order to appease God, to earn back His favor. And actually that kind of religion, that kind of way of seeing God has been the answer to these questions throughout the generations. Religion after religion espouses this kind of life. People, they feel guilty before God and they feel they need to perform or give back in order to pay back or to earn their place before God. As we see here in this passage, this is what they're proposing. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Maybe something more, thousands of rams or 10,000 of rivers of oil, or perhaps the ultimate, my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul. And they think, perhaps this, these offerings of greater value would appease God, to pay back for the sins of what they have done. And yet what we find in verse 8 is that this is not what God is looking for. The focus isn't on external objects they can give to God. For God, it's on the people themselves, who they are, the quality of life, and their relationship with Him. God is more interested in them than any gift that they can bring. Right? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? It's not these things, but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. When Israel broke the covenant, God wants them to return to Him and live life rightly rather than just give more things. But here's a quote from the NIV application commentary. It says, quote, In one of David's prayers, he remembers that the sacrifice that pleases God the most is a broken and contrite heart. Psalm 51, 17. God knows every person's heart and each deed of unrighteousness. Therefore, it is impossible to fool him with a show of spirituality. A second-rate, outwardly pious deed 
does not function as a legitimate replacement for a first-class commitment to love God with all your heart and serve Him. God is not impressed with the size or number of our gifts, but by the quality of our relationship with Him. If you do not love God, nothing else counts." End quote. I think this really challenges me, and it makes a lot of sense from a relational perspective. Think about my kids. When my kids do something wrong against me, you know, say for example, they lie to me, what do I want? Do I want them to do a lot of chores, pay me back with their allowance, or cook for me for a hundred years? That'd be nice. But no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for them to see the price of their lying, to feel sorrow over it, and to want to restore the relationship. Because unless that happens, they can give me all these other things, but they all land empty. What pleases God is when we are in the right relationship with Him and others. And so what does that look like? Well, in verse 8, it says, God has shown you what is good. It's not a mystery. What does God require? What does God desire? What would please Him? First of all, to do justice. What does that look like? The formal way of seeing justice is the right social relationships between people based on God's view of what's appropriate. In other words, not taking advantage of others, protecting those who are less fortunate, not doing anything that would treat others inhumanely or use them for selfish gain. That's what it means to do justice relationally. And then secondly, love kindness. Man, I was really challenged by this phrase. Many of us, we are kind once in a while, but very few of us love kindness. To love kindness means to desire it, to want to show kindness to as many people as possible. It's a picture of a person who's always seeking to be generous, to meet needs, express concern for others. And man, that is hard because it means a lot of sacrifice to our life, to our plans, to what we want to do. And yet this is what pleases God. And I think it's an area that each of us can grow in concretely. It starts with just one person trying to lovingly be kind to that person that God has placed in your life. You know, this word kindness also has a deeper meaning. It comes from the word hesed, which is covenantal loyalty. And that's best expressed in the book of Ruth. We see that with Ruth and Naomi and then God's faithfulness to them. It's a picture of sticking with people no matter what. Choosing not to say no. Not easily letting go. Pulling back or growing cold. It's to have that kind of close stickiness with one another. And that too, I think, is something we can all grow in and be challenged about. And so when we think about this, why is God pleased with these things? It's because all of people are his children and how we treat one another really matters to him. And then the third one, the final requirement is to walk humbly with God. In other words, to obey his will rather than our own. It's not a walking with God that's full of protests or resistance. It's a walk that's acknowledging that he cares for me and he knows what's best. Because again, back in verse three through five, who is God? He's the one who loves them, who's been faithful, has been with them, and it's Israel and it's us who have rebelled. And we are called to come back to the right way of relating to him, which is submitting to him, trusting in his ways. And as Jesus says later on, the entire law is summed up as these two things, love God and love others. Love will lead us wanting to sacrifice our time, energy, and love. But here in this passage we see it's not that first. It's love first, and then those things second, sacrifice, giving up for him. And I think so many times it's easy to reverse it, to sacrifice is a way to earn God's love and favor. But no, the gospel tells us God loved us first. He desires for us to love him back through our life, heart, and how we love others. And so that's our challenge for today. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.